the stars lined up to watch some Formula One racing at Miami this weekend, while NASCAR threw it back at Darlington to stars of NASCAR Old. Also, Ross Chastain is not the only one making enemies on the track this year, as a bump and pass for the win from Joey Logano had some people shaking their heads. So with Joey Logano versus William Byron and F1 versus NASCAR, this has me asking, was any of this a fair fight? was delivered to you by DoorDash. Get more to your door with DoorDash. Hey race fans, it's Taylor and welcome back to Above Field Online, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series and I'm excited about this one today because we have a lot to talk about from F1 at Miami to NASCAR to the Goodyear 400, Joey Logano versus William Byron, contract extensions, plus a lot more that we'll get to in today's episode. But to start, let's review the Goodyear 400 with your results. Contender after contender was taken out of this race. Nevertheless, in my opinion, the most consistent car did end up winning this race, and that was the 22 car of Joey Logano getting his 28th career victory in the Cup Series. The rest of your top 10 are as follows. Second place was Tyler Reddick. Third place was Justin Haley out of nowhere getting a top 10 finish. Very good day for Colleague. Fourth was Kevin Harvick. Funny enough, he actually finished sixth at this track in May of last year, and then the following race that we had at Darlington last year as well, he finished fifth. This year he finished fourth, so I'm expecting maybe next time we go to this track, maybe a third place finish for Kevin Harvick as he's going on that upward trend. Then in fifth place, we had Chase Elliott. He started at the very back of the pack and made his way up to finish in the top five, which is very good. His dad, Bill Elliott, was actually in the booth for stage three of this race, and he actually added really good commentary. I wasn't sure exactly what to expect, as I, I don't necessarily think Bill Elliott is a TV personality. It was really good to have him in the booth and then also comment on Chase Elliott's top five finish. It was also really cool. Sixth was Christopher Bell, then out of nowhere, 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th place, McDowell in 7th, Stenhouse in 8th, Austin Dillon in 9th, and 10th, Suarez. Really good day for those guys, in my opinion, for the Trackhouse guys at least. I keep putting the wrong ones in my fantasy lineup when I put, you know, Suarez in my lineup. He does bad when I put Chastain in my lineup. He tends to wreck out. So, nevertheless, really good day for all of these guys. You know, Suarez, really good to see him get a top 10 in that really cool throwback Coca-Cola scheme. Now let's look at our notable finishers outside the top 10. In P12, Ty Dillon. This is actually one of his best finishes since Bristol Dirt. This is his third top 15 of the season, so very good for Ty Dillon, who finished in P12. Then if we go to P14, this is Harrison Burton. This is his first top 15 of the season, so really good to see that, especially with him throwing it back to his dad this weekend. Finally, I've got to shout out Cody Weir finishing in P19. This makes his second top 20 of the season, that one coming from Daytona 500. This one coming at Darlington, so really good to see that from Cody Weir, so congrats to that team. Now we got to go through that long list of DNFs from Darlington. Now, there was 13 DNFs, which ties Talladega for the most so far this season. The one that broke my heart the most because I think he had the best throwback paint scheme and because he was my race winning pick, Ross Chastain finished in 30th position. Now, he got loose under Denny Hamlin on a restart, and that sent him spinning into the safer barrier, and he crashed out. This is only his second DNF of the season, which I think, considering Ross Chastain and what we know about him, very impressive. Nevertheless, I was very disappointed that he crashed out of this race. Now we got to talk about Truex in 24th, Jones 25th, Custer 26th, Bubba Wallace 27th, and Kurt Busch 28th. They were all taken out in a wreck after Truex was hit by Stenhouse and spun out collecting the others. 23-11 racing with another abysmal race. I know Bubba Wallace was racing inside the top 10 and right outside the top 10 all day long. This would have been one of his best finishes of the season, in my opinion, just at a normal track, not a super speedway. So I was very disappointed for that team. Another team I was disappointed in, I know Darlington and Hendrick Motorsports don't always have the best of luck. Half the team caught that bad luck. Kyle Larson getting DNF'd from the race after engine failures. And then Alex Bowman, he said, quote, I guess we put it out of its misery, meaning the car. He ended up crashing in the race. 
and it was just not a good weekend for him altogether, so hopefully moving on to Kansas, things will look a little bit better. Finally, Brad Keselowski, he lost a right front tire, smacked the wall, and then ran into Kyle Busch on the way. Kyle Busch had nowhere to go, so I felt so bad. Kyle Busch had one of the cars that could have won the race, so really did not feel good for that 18 team at all. I know Kyle Busch was very frustrated leaving the track, at least... You know, remember last year when he smacked the cones going into pit road to Darlington? Kind of the same thing this year. Didn't hit the cones, though. Just didn't make it all the way into the garage area. I know he said he couldn't make it back under his own power during his interview, which I think he spoke fine in. He was very professional during that post-race interview that he had. Just not a good day for that team at all. Brakislavski, another really not-so-good day. So those are some of your notable competitors that did not finish this race. I left out a notable contender for a reason. William Byron, after getting a bump and run from Joey Logano with two laps to go, sent Byron into the wall, having him finish P13. He was clearly not happy about this. Joey Logano said this was retaliation from earlier in the race. This is at least a clip I found from Twitter that might explain the retaliation that Joey was talking about. Okay, to me, after watching that clip, it, w it was kind of the same scenario. William Byron pinched Joey Logano into the wall, and then Joey Logano retaliated by hitting the back bumper of William Byron's car and said, all right, if uh, whatever your car is going to do, if it's going to smack the safer barrier or if it's going to smack the outside wall, whatever it does, I'm still going to win. So if you watch the clip back, though, from the end of the race with that two to go with Joey Logano bumping and running, he could have done it clean, right? We know William Byron's car was getting out of shape. It was getting a lot looser on the track, and that gave Joey Logano a really good opportunity. He was making so much ground on William Byron that he was fast enough to make this clean pass. Jeff Gordon even said that Joey Logano probably could have made the pass clean, but he wasn't in the car. That's my take on it, but I, I think... In a way, this was a fair fight. Joey Logano had every right to retaliate. I just don't like the way he did it because, like I said, he could have made a clean pass. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Leave your comments in the comments below. Now it's time to look at points. Driver points and above fuel aligned crew points from our race picks this weekend. I will tell you again, I lost this one. Ross testing was my race pick, like I mentioned earlier. So I only gained one point this weekend. Now I have 29 points. Now in last place with all of us. Tied for second, though. Brandon chose William Byron, so he now has 30 points. Dom Joseph chose Christopher Bell to win this race. He has 30 points. And in first place now is Adam Lucas. He has 33 points with Tyler Reddick as his race winning pick. Tyler Reddick finished in second, as we mentioned. So a really good day for Adam. Now let's look at our playoff grid. Post-Darlington, William Byron still first in points in our playoff grid. Two wins, 13 playoff points. And second, even though he did not finish this race, he still has 12 playoff points, two wins. Then we have Elliott, Hamlin, Logano, Bowman, Larson, Briscoe, Kyle Busch, and Sindrick. Your top 10 in points there. Joey Logano now solidified his spot into the playoffs. Now looking at the drivers who are in the playoffs but do not have a win, Ryan Blaney is sitting very comfortably, plus 102 to the good. Then Martin Truex is right behind him. Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Eric Amarola, and Austin Dillon, only plus one above that cutoff line. Tyler Reddick is minus one below the cutoff line, kind of reminiscent of what we saw last year with those two duking it out for that final spot. Then Eric Jones, minus 5. Suarez, minus 18. Then we see that gap with Chris Buescher, minus 36. Then we go on with Justin Haley, Kurt Busch, Michael McDowell, and Bubba Wallace. So we looked at our results. We looked at the points. Now it's time to look at our performance of the week presented by SRI Performance with the above field line LVP and MVP. So, of course, we're going to start. I am the bearer of bad news with the LVP of the week. That has to go to 2311 Racing. They were putting together a really, really solid race with some really good results that are much needed from this team earlier on in the Darlington race. And unfortunately, with that bad luck striking again, they weren't able to close it out. For So for that reason, not any fault of their own this time. 2311, you are my LVP team of the week. 
Now for the SRI Performance MVP of the week. We talked about this driver on social media a little earlier in the week, thinking that maybe his crew chief and driver pairing wasn't on par. Of course, we're talking about Joey Logano and Paul Wolf. Not really sure if they were working out that well, as staff have kind of dwindled as they started working together. But for this weekend alone, Joey Logano was very consistent. He got stage points in Stage 1 and Stage 2, winning Stage 1 and getting second in Stage 2. So for that reason, Joey Logano, you are the SRI Performance MVP of the week. Keep it up. Let's finish out this recap by doing our race rating above or below the yellow line. Now here's how this works if you're new here. 50% on the line means this race was just kind of eh, not that great. Below the yellow line is not what we want. That means this was a bad race. Above the yellow line, though, means this was a good race. And according to Twitter, I think that's what we thought. As 32% of you said this was a great race. 46% said it was good. 18% said okay. And 4% said bad. My thoughts. Early on in the race, we only really saw one groove that was working for these drivers, and it kind of stayed the same throughout the whole race, kind of not. It seemed a little hard to pass at the beginning, and then drivers got more bold, especially on the restarts, and we saw a lot more exciting action happening. We saw some really exciting fights for the lead, like Logano and Kyle Busch, and then Rush Chastain got into the picture. That was really exciting. Those final restarts were also very exciting. Unfortunately, the first half of this race didn't really save the rating for me, being above an 80, but we're just below that with this rating because I'm going to give the Darlington race, the Goodyear 400, a 77%. All right, now we got to pump the brakes and go down the line talking about the biggest stories from this week presented by PFC Brakes. We got some quick storylines here before we dive into our main event. So talking about contract extensions, William Barron, it was announced last Thursday that he would be extending his contract with Hendrick Motorsports through 2025. Hendrick Motorsports has a killer lineup for the foreseeable future, while some teams are even questioning if they have a lineup for next season or seasons in the future. So very good for Hendrick Motorsports setting their lineup right here, right now. Of course, we know Chase Elliott is signed through 2027, and then Bowman and Larson signed through 2023. This really gives them time to develop their teams, the driver crew chief pairings, to all be championship contenders. Larson, Elliott have already won championships. William Byron, I'm sure he's going to win a championship in the next few years at Hendrick Motorsports, as I know the veterans are kind of stepping out of the sport. Even Bowman. Bowman, I think, is going to win a championship, maybe not in the next two years, but at some point with his time at Hendrick Motorsports, I think he definitely could. This is the most consistent I've seen him during his Cup Series career, and I think that's just going to continue. So really good job on Hendrick Motorsports for locking in their drivers for the foreseeable future. A quick little update with our NASCAR Hall of Fame Class of 2023. It was announced last week that Mike Helton was given the landmark award for his outstanding commitment to NASCAR. He was given the award for his contributions to the sport, serving in a main leadership role since the 1980s and, of course, serving as the NASCAR president starting in 2000. A really deserving award for him. I would have to definitely agree with that. He's totally changed the face of the sport when he was in a leadership role. So congrats to Mike Helton on that landmark award. As for the Pioneer ballot, Herschel McGriff was given the honor of being inducted into the Hall of Fame with 37 wins, 43 pole positions, and one championship in what we know as the Arkham Menards West Series. One of the best drivers in that series is what I've heard about him, so congrats to Herschel McGriff for getting that honor. As for the Modern Era ballot, four-time Cup Series champion in the crew chief role, Kirk Schoenreden, was inducted into the Hall of Fame, as well as 2003 Cup Series champion Matt Kenseth. I wasn't sure he was going to be a first ballot vote, but I'm very excited he was, so congrats to those guys for their induction into the Hall of Fame. This will be taking place on January 20th of 2023, my birthday. F1 versus NASCAR is our last topic of discussion for it down the line. Of course, both races took place on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, F1 in Miami, NASCAR in Darlington. There's a lot to compare and a lot to contrast, but the question we're going to ask ourselves and kind of contemplate, was this a fair fight at all? Starting off with my initial takes. Now, F1, commercial free, already a bonus, but I also heard that the grid walk before the race was really cringy. The guy who was doing it got the names wrong on the grid, so that was, that was cringy within itself. 
But speaking of stars, a lot of stars showed up to F1, of course, that probably aren't going to show up to a NASCAR race. We had Serena Williams, Haley Steinfeld, we had um, David Beckham, we had, of course, Will I Am, and also Michael Jordan showed up to the F1 race, not, not the NASCAR race, as you would maybe expect as a part team owner or a team owner in NASCAR. He showed up to the F1 race, to be fair. I probably would, too, if I was in that position. So the stars showed up for F1. Now, here's the NASCAR side of things. NASCAR had stars too. We had Bobby Labonte, Bill Elliott, and Richard Petty joining the booth for their respective stages. Richard Petty in stage one. Kind of disappointed with how little he talked, but then Bobby Labonte in stage two did a really nice job. I already mentioned Bill Elliott doing a really nice job in stage three as well. So we had some stars from NASCAR's past. In terms of commercials, again, the thing that plagues NASCAR races, commercials happen at the worst possible moments. I remember distinctly from this race, at least, when Kyle Larson spun out, it took them a commercial break, and they didn't cut back from the commercial break, an entire commercial break, and pit stops to then show us what happened to Kyle Larson, because I was very disappointing. Obviously, if there's pit stops happening, you want to hear what's happening. If you see it, you hear it. But we still should have had some sort of visual cue as to what happened to Kyle Larson instead of us just hearing it on social media. So... That was another disappointment, plus they wired the entire track at Darlington with 5G to just watch the F1 race at the track. So that already tells you that NASCAR was planning on fans kind of checking out anyways for the F1 race, but those are my initial thoughts or just the initial facts about Darlington versus Miami. Now we're going to go into what you thought and what Above Bill Align crew members Adam Lucas and Dom Joseph thought. I put a poll on Twitter just to see what you guys liked better, the F1 race or the NASCAR race, and this is what you guys had to say. So for the F1 race, 17% of you said you liked it better than NASCAR. 83% of you, though, said you liked NASCAR better than F1. To get more in-depth on these results, MikeMaster44 commented at me and said, Wow, tough call. I call it a push. Both were fantastic races. I watched all of the F1 preview show in beginning of the race and also during NASCAR's marathon of commercials via DVR. Watched hashtag NASCAR live afterwards. The remaining 25 laps of F1 were fantastic after the final restart. From our very own Adam Lucas, he said, As much as I anticipated F1 Miami being a massive hit, it really was a ho-hum race. Yes, the battle between the lead two was intense, but that was about it. No real challenges throughout the rest of the mid-pack. Darlington always puts on a challenging show for any series that races. As much as I wanted the F1 race to outkick NASCAR, the racing just was better at Darlington. Therefore, yes, F1 probably blew NASCAR out of the water for TV ratings, but for me, Darlington put on another classic race. Finally, in three parts, quotes from Dom Joseph, another above Bill Aligned crew member, he says, quote, What isn't fair to compare between the two racing divisions is the ratings. NASCAR is an American racing division that finds the country's, and in some cases the world's, best stock car drivers. Meanwhile, F1 is the world championship of auto racing. It is the pinnacle. It gets no bigger than Formula One. It's obvious the viewership will favor F1. What you can compare is the racing product. F1 didn't have all the big wrecks that NASCAR did, but it did have two global mega brands, Ferrari and Red Bull, give a glimpse of what engineering precision can produce on pavement. NASCAR cannot touch F1 on road courses, much like F1 cannot touch NASCAR on speedways, which is why they're smart enough to not run them. Red Bull beat Ferrari with outright pace, and when Ferrari challenged, there was respect between the competitors. If you're gonna win, you have to do it straight up and without contact. Beat them fair and square. I don't need to explain what happened in Darlington, you already know. F1 sent a message in Miami. America's motorsport choice was NASCAR for decades, but that is rapidly changing. To their point, F1 is globalized. NASCAR is not. Look at the manufacturers we see in F1. It's very prestigious. NASCAR has manufacturers that aren't global. So there's a difference there that I don't think is very fair to compare. 
However, you can compare the racing product just a little bit. I think it's unfair to compare because the cars are very different. But to Dom's point, you saw a lot of wrecks, a little bit of a messy race at Darlington. And as for F1, we didn't necessarily see that. So you can compare and contrast that. Now, as of right now, as we're recording this, we do not have the TV numbers back. And I will hope to put those in the comments below when we do have those. But I'll be curious to see who wins. Now, the F1 race was about an hour and a half. The Darlington race was, I think, around four hours. So again, you're going to have that issue of audience retention. So curious to see where those numbers shake out. Also, if we're going to talk about at-track accessibility, NASCAR is a lot less expensive than F1. I know for good reason. I understand F1 is very prestigious. NASCAR is a very Americanized sport. I get that. But at the track, a hat, a single purple hat with a Mercedes logo on it, it costs $120. Nothing looks special about this hat at all. Nothing at all. It looks like a simple hat. You can get it on Amazon probably for, like, I don't know, like 30 50 bucks. I'm not really sure. And then at the track for a NASCAR hat, Probably anywhere from 20 to 50 bucks. I haven't been at the track in a while, so don't quote me on that. But that's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Just getting a hat at track to get that experience costing the extra money, I don't buy it. I think that's ridiculous to have merch cost that much. But again, that is the world of F1 we're talking about that comparing to NASCAR. So in my opinion, at least NASCAR wins out on the accessibility factor in the United States. So F1 versus NASCAR, and then add SRX into the mix. In a little over a month, we have Dave Blaney, Ryan Blaney racing at that final race in the SRX season, and then Chase Elliott announced just today, or I guess when I'm recording this, Chase Elliott is going to race in that race as well, so they have some stiff competition, they signed some pretty big names on this season, so in my opinion, at least, NASCAR has competition with SRX, and that's comparable. F1 versus NASCAR, totally not comparable, so in my opinion, this was not a fair fight this weekend, especially because F1 was on network television, NASCAR was not, you can't really even compare the ratings in that case, because people don't really have access to the NASCAR race in some areas of the United States, so in my opinion, not a fair fight. So what do you think about the F1 versus NASCAR controversy, William Byron's contract extension, and the Hall of Fame inductees? Let me know in the comments below. But now it's time to go into our race preview for the Avent Health 400 presented by Rhino.co with your track facts and driver stats. Starting with your track facts, the track length for Kansas Speedway is 1.5 miles long and the race length is 267 laps or 400 miles. Stage 1 is 80 laps, stage 2 is 85 laps, and the final stage is 102 laps. Moving on to your driver stats. Now, the last drivers to win at the track was Kyle Busch in May. If you remember, it was a fan vote for the Bushy McBush race, so it was perfect that Kyle Busch won that one. Then in October, it was Kyle Larson that won at Kansas. The actor driver with the most wins at the track is a three-way tie with three wins each, Harvick, Hamlin, and Logano. The actor driver with the best average finish at the track is Kevin Harvick with an average finishing position of 8.9. Next up, the team with the most track wins is Hendrick Motorsport with eight wins. Right behind them is Joe Gibbs Racing with seven wins, and then Penske right behind with six. Finally, wins by manufacturer. Chevrolet has 13 wins, Ford has nine, and Toyota has eight. All this information from RacingReference.com. Let's close it out with your two watch, two worry this weekend at Kansas Speedway. Now, I hate to bring this up again. I hate to be the bearer of bad news with Danny Hamlin again, but he's one of the guys I'm going to be worried about because he keeps having bad luck. I don't think he's going to have a bad car this weekend, but he's probably going to like get in the crash or something. So I'm always going to be worried about Denny Hamlin, a little bit of a cop-out answer. But another guy I'm going to be worried about is Brad Keselowski. He is pretty good at Kansas. But last weekend, we had his first DNF of the season. I had to fact check that to make sure it was correct, and it, and it was. Darlington was his first DNF of 2022. So I'm going to be hoping that Brad Keselowski has a good weekend at Kansas, but I guess we'll have to see. So our two guys to watch, obviously Kevin Harvick with the best average finish at the track. I have to be watching him, especially after his fourth place finish at Darlington. He seems to be having upward momentum, so I'm hoping he can take that into the Kansas race. 
Lastly, I'm going to be looking at Chase Elliott. He had the second best average finishing position at Kansas. Also, in his 12 starts at Kansas, he's only finished outside the top 10 four times. So maybe if he doesn't win this weekend, at least he's going to have a top five, top 10 finish this weekend. I would look at him to do very well. Maybe have him in your fantasy lineup. Don't do it because I told you to do it because you looked at the stats. But nevertheless, Chase Elliott, I think, is going to do very well this weekend at Kansas for the Advent Health 400. So who are your two watch to worry for this weekend? Maybe it's somebody I missed. Let me know in the comments below. And with that, we are done with this episode of Above the Online, Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. For more for us at Above the Online, Line, make sure you follow us on social media, on our Twitter page, at underscore TaylorKitchen underscore, for post-race polls and daily questions, and Above the Online Line on Instagram and YouTube for teasers on our upcoming projects and more options to get in on the conversation. Also, make sure to check out tobychristie.com on all social media platforms. And for more great motorsports content, visit tobychristie.com to hear and read from more of the teams and your favorite drivers. Last but not least, I want to thank SRI Performance, PFC Brakes, Rhino.co, and DoorDash for supporting Above, Bill, and Line, and all of us here at tobychristie.com. You can find all our social pages linked in the description below. But before you check those out, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family. And guys, thank you so much for supporting us here at Above, Bill, and Line. And until next time, I'll see ya.